0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzivino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God, amen. A quick review. We've been talking about the fact that faith is a fight with words it's a fight with words not with grenades or any other kind of weaponry words secondly we talked about it's with the word we resist satan the devil like jesus did in the wilderness it is written three times spirit soul and body all three different temptations that came his way it's a fight with words we overcome the world with words this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith and then also we can control the flesh with words the tongue is what controls the whole body, James said. And so it's important to understand that. We talked about words of unbelief kept the Israelites from entering into the promised land. But words of faith got Joshua and Caleb and also the Joshua generation into the promised land. What a difference that is. You see, the unbeliever says we're not able to take the land. But Joshua and Caleb said we are well able To take the land. And both got exactly what they said. As a matter of fact. We notice also in Numbers 14 verse 28. That it makes it very clear. As you have spoken in my ears. So will I do unto you. So as a foundation. Let's continue on in our study. And let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we'll see why this is important to all of us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured. And were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples. And samples are examples. All the things that took place in their lives during this trek from Egypt into the promised land was recorded or written for us as an example. Why? Well, look at Hebrews chapter 4. Officially, we are told they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. So let us therefore fear. Notice, because they entered in, because of not entered in because of unbelief let us fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of it for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them but the word preached did not profit or benefit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it for we which have believed do enter into rest as he said as i have sworn in my wrath if they shall enter into my rest. So we see it was recorded for us so that we could follow the example of the Joshua generation and not make the mistakes of the Moses generation. Under Moses, they failed to enter in, but under Joshua, they made it in. But before we continue on, I want you to see something that really hit me heavy in Joshua chapter 2 when I first discovered this. And I've taught it many times, but it bears repetition here today. And I want to kind of play it out for you. Let's look at it this way before we read this. Over here, we have the unbelieving Israelites, and what they're saying is, we're not able. There's giants in the land the walls are fortified. It's impossible for us to get in. We've been brought out here to die. God's going to have us die in the wilderness. We should have gone back into Egypt. At least we had some food to eat back there. That's what they're saying. They're too big. The enemies are too strong for us. And we're grasshoppers in their sight. Okay. Now we come over here. While they're saying that. Look at what Rahab says. That they were saying back then. Here's what they were saying on this side. Same time. Before the spies went to sleep that night. Rahab went on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land. She told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. None has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. While they're saying it's impossible for us to get in, there's no way we can do it. They're on this end saying, we're so afraid of them. Oh my goodness. When God, the supreme God of the universe fights for them, look out. We can see the land. It took him 40 years to get there. Because they wouldn't believe that God would fight for them or defend them. Think about that. Look how easy it is for for us to be focusing on our inabilities. Our shortcomings, our faults, our flaws, our incapabilities, the things that we can't do. The enemy here is have more faith in their God than they do. We can't. He's too big. He's too strong. He's too powerful. He's too mighty. And they probably going like, wow, two weeks have gone by. They're still not here. Three weeks have gone by. They're still not here. Oh my goodness, 40 years have gone by and they're still not here. Finally, Rahab says, what took you so long? I know God gave you the land. And because she knew it, she said, please make me a promise. You'll spare my family and when those walls came down she protected those spies they even say archaeologists have studied this and they found this to be true that only one section of those walls remained standing and it was her house her house was protected wow all right the joshua generation joshua chapter one verses one and two let's read these two verses first because this is what's going to help us follow the right example now after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua the son of Nun Moses minister saying Moses my servant is dead now therefore arise go over this Jordan thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them even to the children of Israel rise get up and go forward Moses is dead that generation is gone it's time for you to get up And get moving forward and go and possess the land that I have already given you. I gave it to them. I gave it to you. It was a done deal. But they refused to believe it. And they just sat there and whined and cried and complained and murmured day in, day out, etc., etc. But it's time to rise up, Joshua. It's time for you to go forward. This is a new generation. This is a new time, period. It's time for you to go forth and march and get what I have given you. So get moving. Look at verse 3. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. Notice these next words as I said unto Moses. Where does faith come from? Was it based on what God said? And what God said, we can say. And you know what? Joshua and Caleb said what God said 40 years prior to this, but the others wouldn't say what God said. God said it I've given you the land all you got to do is go in there and possess it just take it just show up and I'll fight for you I'll defend you but they wouldn't do it so notice this God does not change man does he couldn't get Moses to, to teach the people What they needed to hear to get the slavery mentality out of them. So they saw themselves as inferior people and they complained all their days. He couldn't change them. But you know what? Under Joshua, a change took place. Everyone 20 and older died. 19 and under remained. And those are the ones that were then taken into the promised land. But we're going to see how they were taught. Look at verse 8. Verse 8, now he's giving him instruction. And this is uh, from the King James First, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make the way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Look at the New Living Translation of that. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do the book of the law or instruction is to be where in their mouth and they were to meditate it dwell on it think about it mutter it over and over again day and night that they may be able to do it the only sure way to become a doer of the word of God is to meditate the word of God and keep it in our mouth once again, faith is in, is in, it involves the heart and the mouth of a person. Meditate it to get it deep in your heart and speak it out and say it to set in motion spiritual laws that will enable God to do his part. Okay, so it's our book of instruction. It reveals to us God's way of thinking. You know, God's way of thinking is higher than our way of thinking. Much higher than our way of thinking. His ways are higher than our ways as well. On Wednesday, we talked about how high they are. How high are they? Well, since you asked, think about this. As the heavens are above the earth, that's how much higher my ways and thoughts are than yours. So I looked up, it, this is, say, the atmospheric heavenlies, as far as the eye can see, maybe even with a mic or a telescope, 46 billion light years away. That's far. Try jogging that. 46 billion light years away. My thoughts and ways are higher than yours as the heavens are above the earth. 46 billion light years. You think you're smart? You think we have some intelligence? We know nothing compared to the intelligence of God. Much higher than ours. Look at um, these, uh, the, this, the other verses. Look at Joshua chapter 1. And look at verses 5 through 7, and these are these verses we're going to point out right here are other things that basically Joshua was told he needed to do. Not just meditate the word by day and night so that he could do it, but notice this. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. Why does he keep on repeating that? He said, because I told Moses the same thing, but he, that group wouldn't listen. That's why so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For under this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. That's covenant talk, only be thou strong. And notice he repeats it, very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Skip to verse 9, and then verse 18. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. In verse 18. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words, and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death only be strong and of a good courage. You think he wants to be strong and courageous? Why? Because we're going to face many obstacles along the way. There's going to be many fears to face along the way. There's going to be adversity along the way. Circumstances that are challengeable along the way. Be strong and be courageous. Get the word in your mouth. Get the word in your heart. Meditate it day and night and proclaim it. Declare it. Decree it. And see to it that you by faith speak the word that I've given you as I said to Moses so that when you stand before all the opposition you can say boldly God said he'd be with me not, not to be afraid he will defend me fight for me and go before me. So, so Joshua get a hold of that. Look at verses 10 and 11. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Notice he gave a command to prepare yourself to go and take the land. Preparation is the process of the action by which you get ready for a test, a duty, or an occasion. It's the process by which you see to it that you do everything on your end, on your part to be ready for whatever the occasion might be. If that occasion is a, a wedding reception, then you make sure you call the caterer the night, at least the night before the wedding. Maybe a year before might be better though. You get it be prepared. He commanded them. This is a command, not a suggestion. This is like an army term. He commanded them, get ready. This is it. In three days, you are going to be in the promised land. Get yourself prepared. Get yourself ready. There's no turning back. And that's the bottom line. Okay, so if we sit back and we're wishy-washy, and we're waiting for something to happen to come to us, it's not going to happen. It is when we finally get a hold of ourselves and say, you know what, enough is enough. I'm tired of sitting out here in this wilderness. I'm tired of being running over by all obstacles. As far as I'm concerned, I'm getting myself up, prepared, and I'm going forward with all the people of God. I will not be left behind. Look at chapter 3. Interesting here. Verses 14 through 17. It came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priest bearing the ark of the covenant before the people and as they that bear the ark were come in unto Jordan and the feet of the priest that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up. Upon a heap very far from the city, Adam, that is beside Zarethan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jordan, uh, and the priests that bare the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Now that was a mouthful but let me explain. You know there's a bridge over there that crosses the Jordan above where they said the water stopped called Adam's Bridge. The city of Adam. Let's spiritualize it just for a moment. They're crossing over Jordan. Man cannot achieve this on his own because you see this is the time of flooding. There's a great flooding that's going on. The river's overflowing all of its banks as we just read right there. And it's also stated that right at that place of their crossing is where Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And the waters stopped where the first Adam was. And the waters congealed like a heap and stopped from flowing down. Because you see, man can build his own bridge But you're not going to be successful to get to where you need to go on the other side with your bridge. But over here, where they crossed the River Jordan, is where Jesus was baptized in water. And he made a new bridge for man to get from point A to point B. And get involved in the kingdom of God. Thank God for the second Adam, who did what the first Adam could not ever do. It was at that place that they crossed over Jordan because of what Jesus did, not because of what any other man could possibly do. Also, it's important to point out that the Ark of the Covenant, when they stepped into the water, it was the Ark of the Covenant that was before them. And that Ark of the Covenant represents the very divine presence and glory of the living God. And the moment their feet hit the that water with the Ark of the Covenant the waters congealed they stopped to flow and the ground dried up and it goes on to say that they walk clean across a riverbed you know how muddy a riverbed would be mm-hmm. but they walk clean right across it why because the glory of the Lord was in manifestation it dried up all the ground and they got across safely and without any problems whatsoever. So thank God for God's presence. His power. His glory. His plan. The second Adam. And all that he did to help them succeed. To get across the Jordan. To the other side where the land of promises. Now notice in the book of Ecclesiastes. Very important scriptures here. We're going to give you three translations. Chapter 11 verse 4. First in the New King James translation. He who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. The NIV version. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. And then the message Bible. When the clouds are full of water, it rains. When the wind blows down a tree, it lies where it falls. Don't sit there watching the wind. Do your own work. Don't stare at the clouds. Get on with your life. What is he trying to communicate? If all you're doing is looking at, they're too big. The walled cities are too strong and fortified. We can't do it. We're like grasshoppers in our sight. So we're going to look at all the reasons why we can't. All the improbabilities. All the impossibilities. All the challenges that we might face. The mountains. And anything and everything else. All the news reports, all the doctor's reports, all the this report, all the that report. Keep looking at the wind. Keep looking at all the obstacles. And you'll never plant. You'll never reap. But if you say it doesn't matter what all this says over here. I found something that God said right over here. I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at what my God said. He will fight for me. He will defend me. He will go before me. He will uphold me. He will see to it that he brings me over into victory. He'll pave the way with the blood of the Lamb so I can enter into the kingdom of Almighty God. I refuse to give place to the wind. I refuse to give place to the clouds that look like it might rain. I'm going to sow and I'm going to reap. Because I'm acting on what God said, not what man said. So if we only look at the impossibilities, it's not going to happen. But if we exalt God's word, his power, his presence, his provision above the circumstances we face in life, then he'll see us through to victory. And we'll end up like the Joshua generation and get into our promised land. Can you say amen? Now let's roll up our sleeves and see how they did it. Powerful, powerful teaching right here. Get a hold of it. Embrace it. We all need to. Joshua chapter 5. How did they prepare to enter the promised land? Well, Joshua had to be a good teacher. But he had to know what to teach. Uh, Brother Dave, this is probably one of his classes that he had to teach. Like Believer School of Ministry. Mm -hmm. Listen to it. Chapter 5, verse 1. The first thing he had to teach was a principle. And here it is. Came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward and all the kings of the Canaanites which were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over that their heart melted there was there neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel number 1 the enemy is defeated the enemy is defeated. We need to get this in our hearts and our minds and our heads and our ears. The enemy is defeated. What is the enemy? What are we facing? What is the obstacle? What is the mountain? We need to view it as already been defeated by Jesus. He said, Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He overcame the devil, the world, and the flesh for us. The enemy is defeated. Their hearts were melted within them. Had the first Israelite generation under Moses realized that they were over here saying, we can't do it. God's too big. God's too powerful. God's too mighty. They would have walked into Jericho and had it handed over to them. 40 years because of unbelief, there they were in the wilderness and then died in the wilderness. Number one, the enemy defeated your enemy is defeated my enemy is defeated we need to view the devil as being defeated the world defeated the flesh defeated because of jesus and thank god he delivered us from the powers of darkness he put us into the kingdom of god and we're no longer under the jurisdiction of the kingdom of darkness he ripped us up out of pulled us up out of the miry clay and transplanted us into the kingdom of almighty god And here in that kingdom, praise God, he is Lord over our lives. And not the devil, not the world, and not the flesh. We are in the kingdom of Almighty God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are more than a conqueror. You are a world overcomer by your faith. And praise God, Jesus made that way for us. He defeated the devil for us. He made a public display, an open show of the devil before all of his emissaries. And let them all know, this is who you followed. He's defeated. He went to the strong man's house and bound the strong man and praised God, God back everything that Adam lost. We've got it back in Christ. Amen. Amen. Number two, look at the next verse, verse two. And again, these are principles and important to understand if we're going to rise up to the place we're prepared to take our promised land. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. What does that mean? That's covenant talk. Circumcision was a mark of the covenant. They have a covenant with Almighty God that goes all the way back to Abraham. And when Abraham was told, you're going to have a great and mighty nation, you're going to have a son, a great and mighty nation, and so on, he says, how can I know that you will keep your word and bring that to pass? If I devote myself to you, if I surrender my heart to you and my will to you, how do I know that you will honor your word? How do I know that you will not lie? Abe, hey, go get yourself some animals. Cut them down in the middle. Put them in a trough. Lay them there on the, on the ground. And let the blood flow and when you let that blood flow i'm going to give you a nap take a nap and god himself does what is called the walk of blood and as he walks to the walk of blood he announces the blessings and the curses of the covenant and because he swore by no greater than himself he swore by an oath that who he he who cannot change the immutability of his counsel said i will do all these things for you and i seal it with blood so that you know i cannot and i will not go back on my word and once i make a covenant as i said to david in psalm 89 34 my covenant word will i not break or alter the thing that's going out of my mouth and abraham said now i know now i know you and i have a better covenant than what they had established upon better promises because it was sealed with better blood the blood of the lamb The blood of Jesus who redeemed us by his blood from every kindred and tongue and people and nation, making us kings and priests before God. The blood of an animal can cover your sin, but the blood of Jesus wipes away your sin, remits your sin, and washes you whiter than snow. You've got a covenant with Almighty God. Remember that, he said. That's the second thing he had to teach them. The third thing, I think, is found in verse 10. In verse 10... And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. Number three, remember your deliverance. Remember where you were, recognize where you're at and know how you got there. Could they come out of Egypt on their own? No. Could they be delivered on their own? No. Did they have any strength, any power, any might over all the kingdom of Egypt, the Egyptian empire? No. But somebody came along and somebody intervened and somebody showed himself to be stronger and greater than all the gods of the Egyptians. And when he did, they were let go, they were brought out, they were delivered and they were set free and they were on the path to the promised land, praise God. And in sight was every good thing that God had for them but they wouldn't believe it. We know that story. So how does that affect us? Remember where you were? Lost in sin. How can you get out? Impossible with man. Who made a way for you? Jesus paved the way for you and for me. We're no longer in Egypt. We're no longer in the world. We're no longer sinners. We're sinners saved by grace. We were sinners. We're saved by grace. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. Why? Because of what he's done for us. And we couldn't do that for ourselves. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he's done for us. So remember where you were. Remember where you're at. And remember how you got there. Who did it for you? Jesus. Number four. Verse 12. No, it's a new day. It's a new day. Well, what do we mean by that? Look at Exodus Chapter 35, or 16 rather, in, in the, verse 35. And the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years. Now, when I read that, I just think manna. Remember all the words we talked about last, was it last week or whenever it was? They said it was deplorable. They said it was despicable. They said it was horrible. They said, they, they really railed on God's cooking. Remember we talked about that? The children of Israel did eat manna So it must have been something that finally got distasteful to them. If that would have said pizza, it would have been so different. For 40 years, you can feed on pizza. For 40 years, until until they came to a land inhabited, and they did eat manna until they came to the borders of the land of Canaan. Do you know what that means? It's a new day. It's a new day. A new day has dawned. 40 years, I have sent to you 4,500 tons of manna every day. For 40 years, I brought you water out of a rock, 11 million gallons a day to meet your needs. It's a new day, boys and girls. And that new day means it's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to rise up, to wake up, to get a hold of what I've done for you and utilize it for my honor and glory and for your own good and well-being. It's a new day. You're not going to see manna come down anymore. You know why? Because you're going to be in the promised land. In the promised land, the grapes are this big. In the promised land, I mean, it's just so much that's in there. Milk, honey, anything you could imagine and think of. The greatest provision. But it's time to wake up because you know what? A new day has dawned. It's time for you to get what's yours. Look at the next one. It's, uh, they're not alone. They're not alone. Look at verses 13 and 14. It's good to know we're not alone in the fight. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as a captain of the best of the, uh, host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto this his servant? notice this was we believe to be a manifestation of jesus he's not by himself we're not alone angels have been sent the angel of the lord has been sent he said my angel will go before your face and he'll get you into the promised land and he will deliver you and help you but but when you hearken to his voice and and don't really get him disturbed because then he won't be happy with you We're not alone in this battle. This battle is not something that we're taking on by ourselves. We have the greater one who is in us. God is for us. God is with us. But they couldn't say this back then. God is in us. With us, for us, and in us. Greater is he who is in us than he that is in this world. We're not alone i will never leave you nor forsake you that you may boldly say the lord is my helper i will fight for you i will defend you i will go before you so thank god we're not alone the next one verses one and two of joshua chapter six now now jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of israel none went out and none came in and the lord said unto joshua see i have given into thine hand jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor Notice, I have given. Do you realize he said that 40 some years ago? 40 years ago he said that to Moses. I've given you the land. I've given you the land. The land belongs to you. It is your land. I will go before you. I will get you in. I will defeat all the ites that are in the land. It's your land. Well, they wouldn't believe it. Victory is ours. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. No weapon formed against us can prosper. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we look in the mirror and all we see is our own personal biceps and calves. It doesn't matter how strong we appear to be or we think we are. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are arisen and stand uprightly, praise God. Why? Because we trust in Him. He's given us the land. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. We're already victors. We're already victorious. We're already more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're fighting from the position of victory, not defeat. We're not fighting for it, but from it, praise God. And then finally... And this is the one that really bites us all. Here it comes. Verses 3 through 5. You shall compass the city and all ye men of war. And go around about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. And the priest shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Now, we're ready for battle, and you're the military leader. And that's your game plan Battle game plan strategy. Say that again. Well we got a great plan here. There's fortified walls. And cities fortified. There's mighty warriors and giants that are in there. The strategy is. We'll walk around the walls one time each time. And we're going to really intimidate them. Big time. When they see us walking around. And on the seventh day. Here it is. We're going to go seven times. That's really going to get him. And on the seventh time, we're just going to shout. And what's your plan? And what's your idea? What? The next thing is do what God says to do, even if it's illogical. Go wash in the pool of Siloam so you can come seeing. Go dip in the river Jordan seven times so leprosy would be healed. Stretch forth your hand that you can't stretch forth. And the list goes on and on. Do what he says to do even if it's illogical. Because it makes no logical sense to walk around these fortified walls that are so impenetrable that nobody even dare go near them. But on the seventh day, you're really going to take it up a notch. Go seven times and then really show them your strength. Shout, blow the ram's horn. That's what they did. Do you know you're at the mercy of the Lord at that time? Remember the VeggieTales story where they just threw down snow cones on them? Just snow cones they threw down on the Israelites as they walked around the walls. I always get that in my mind when I talk about this. It's like Jonah, he's a well of a story. Something fishy about that guy. He was in deep, deep trouble. Right? You know the story. This is illogical. This is no military strategy. No one ever concede that this is what we're going to do. But you know what? When God says to do it, whatever he says to do, you do it. You know what Mary said? Mary said, whatever he says to you, do it. Nike didn't coin that. No, just do it. So if it's illogical, it makes no sense. But that's okay. If he says, just confess it, declare it to be true in your life. Call things that be not as though they were. Meditate the word day and night. My words are life and help to you. Whatever it is that he says to do in your given situation, just do it. And if we do what he says to do, he will do his part. And those walls came tumbling down. And as I said earlier, <clears throat> but not Rahab's. <clears throat> Did you know she lied? How many know she lied? <clears throat> Where are the men? Were they here? Oh, they were here, but they're not hearing out. Yes, they were. They're upstairs on top of the roof. Hiding. Think about that one. She lied and God honored it to spare their lives. And then finally they left and they said to her, Rahab, because you did this thing, God will honor you. And when those walls came tumbling down, only Rahab's house stood. And guess what? She's one of the women in the Hebrew chapter 11, hall of faith and hall of fame. God recognized her faith and honored it. So, what's at stake? We'll close with this. <clears throat> obey it, even if it's logical. Exodus 23, verse 20 through 26. Let's read it. <clears throat> Behold, I send an angel before thee. This is the instruction they were given. To keep thee in the way and to bring thee to the place which I have prepared. I have prepared. Beware of him. Obey his voice. Provoke him not. He will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemy, an adversary to your adversary. My angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down that their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images, and you shall serve the Lord your God. And he will bless your bread and your water. I will take sickness away from the midst of thee, and there shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. You talk about a promised land? You talk about a place of rest? They're listed for you. Number one, angelic protection. Number two, God being an enemy to your enemy. Number three, provision. Whatever you need, eat, food, water, drink, doesn't matter, clothing. He'll remove sickness from the midst of you. No miscarriages and no infertility in the land. And then longevity. With long life will I satisfy you in that land that flows with milk and honey. Wow. Look what they forfeited. Instead of that, they had 40 years in the wilderness where they were miserable and they died. Prematurely, by the way. Under Joshua, they got in the promised land. How are we going to get in our promised land? By faith. Are we able to do it on our own? Can we do it through him? Amen. Praise God. Let's take a moment right now. Lift your heart to heaven with me right now. Thank you, Father, for your word. And the revelation of your integrity that you are a covenant-keeping God who keeps covenant with them that love you and keep your commandments to a thousand generations thank you this morning that we can trust you to honor your word and keep your every promise hallelujah we rejoice in you the God of our salvation And no matter what it is that you tell us to do, even if it's illogical, we purpose in our hearts to act upon what you say, knowing that you know more than what we know, that we might allow you to have your way in our midst. And so Father, thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and will ever do for those that trust in you.